Welcome back to the Broadway block. We got a lot of summer speculation going on still. I don't know, man. And Larry Brooks isn't helping, just stirring up rumors, saying we need these bottom dwellers. And to me, the picture just looks like we just got to sign laugh and ride with what we got, right? Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room at the moment. As far as a laugh contract, we touched on it last episode about how this is, you know, kind of a weird little waiting period that we're in. I feel like Larry Brooks is going to always stir those articles in there, just try to get some engagement. But it's odd because we really don't have a lot of money. So unless something is taken out of the equation, there's really no room to add anybody, which I think is why everybody was so adamant on Barclay Goodrow being removed from the lineup. But it seems apparent to me that the commitment is definitely there with guys like Goodrow, guys like Trocek. I think that it's really easy to kind of latch onto these bigger contracts when you're trying to think of how to get rid of money because it just makes the most amount of sense. But you also have to remember how the team played without guys like Barclay Goodrow in the lineup when they weren't in the lineup. And I think that we've we've had this conversation with guys like Lindgren and Heedle, but we just don't look like a complete team when they're not with us so it's hard because i don't see i don't see any of those guys leaving i don't really see us adding much more based on what we have to be honest do you think the fourth line is tough enough down there like you know do you think we've had like a physicality weakness since like we shipped reeves off or do you think we've been pretty good barkley goodrow and you know truba has been filling in there well so i guess the physicality conversation stems from years past where you know we got bullied and like the tom wilson incident and things like that so i think that we've had those issues it's hard because i don't fully subscribe to like the idea that you need to be a tough team in the modern day nhl but you certainly need to defend yourself and i think we saw it from truba all year long where physicality still plays a huge part in this game and i think that it's the reason why hockey is what it is. It's it's like football on ice, and it's just it's so much different than any other sport that you need that. And you also have guys that are insanely skilled nowadays, and if you can't keep up with them skating-wise, you have to be able to kind of like level the playing field in a way. So I feel like there's definitely the need for it. Since we got rid of Reeves, I, I would say that the biggest impact to him leaving, the biggest deficit that we saw was just he really seemed like a gel guy. The effect of him leaving and going to the wild was they became a tight, tighter knit group and we became a more discombobulated group. So, I mean, if you want to have like causal effect there, but I think with him moving on to the Leafs, you see the idea that we kind of had where we were top heavy and skilled and maybe lacking that, that little bit of toughness. So, I mean, there's definitely teams a lot around the league that would take a flyer out on a guy like Reeves. And I think the only reason that, we didn't is because we've already kind of jettisoned him as a part of, you know, cap dump and trying to to free up a spot. Because ultimately, Reeves, if you look at his stats, he's not really a profitable player on the ice. You know, you can talk about intangibles all you want. It's there's something tangible about intangibles. There's something there's something that is there when you watch a guy have such a positive impact on the team. I'm gonna segue this into. Isn't it funny when someone has such a negative? impact on the ice and off of the ice because like look at tony d'angelo like obviously like on the ice he's probably more productive than ryan reeves right you would rather have tony d'angelo on the ice which is hard for me as a rangers fan to even say but because of all the negative impact of what he's done 
locker room guy being negative like he's shipped out like every other year right i think i think tony's the type of guy that when he scores or has a nice assist or something he takes a little bit of like pride in that and like that's fine but reeves to me is the type of guy that immediately will point to the guy who passed him the puck or or tipped it in or something like that. I feel well, like that's that's the difference between a locker room guy and a guy you know who's what I mean? there for himself. I think, you know? I think that's the the difference right there is that they they both provide a weird layer of unpredictability where he might take a penalty or he might do something game changing. And I just remember how confident we were last year with with him being on our our bottom line right wing. But I do feel like the fourth line is better going into this season for sure. Who do you think was the most electric player, kind of like a Ryan Reeves, that like in your all your hockey watching and years of like, you know, just watching NHL anywhere, like who is the best player that you think you've watched play that role? Man, they're de- they're certainly different players. I think funny enough, my favorite guy who's played that role has been a Ranger. I think it's really hard to ignore how good Sean Avery fit on the Rangers when he played that role for us. I mean, the guy was contributing and scoring in huge moments and also being probably the best pest that's ever done it. Is there, is there another name that comes up when you think about other teams that have had a a guy to better embody that role? I mean, the guy, I don't know, Brad Marchand, like rivals that, you know, like the guy threw a hall of fame goalie off of his game. I mean, there's something to be said about, the the aspect of stirring the pot so much that you're literally getting someone to not play their own game and i mean yeah obviously brad marchand if you're going to talk about contribution wise but i've always felt like the rangers were lacking the guy who could be a pest but also put in 20 goals i I always like to like you know like it's hate to say it but like gallagher up in um montreal he always just kind of played that same kind of role, small, gritty guy. Like, you know, you hate him because he like, he's not supposed to be there. He knows that bounces it in off his skate right in front, kind of like a Kreider role, but also like Marshan, like just a pest. Who's the best current? It's hard to not give that to Marshan. I feel like if you think about like stat wise, like if you put him into the echelon of, of how many points he's scoring, but I mean, Matt, Matthew to Chuck is, he's so elite and like a superstar at doing that. You know, we, need, we, we need more mic'd up Matthew to Chuck Knights, like, you know, because he also is a pest, like, verbally. Like, you know, you see how he plays. He kind of reminds me of Jimmy Butler of the Heat. Like, you know, he's he's going to let his play talk, but then he's also going to let you know, you know? Yeah, and I, I feel like I feel like sports in general needs that. I feel like it's hard to quantify that. Like, why is that good? Why do we gravitate towards that, you know? Because that was definitely who, like, who I was as a player. Like when I was playing sports as a kid, you know, I we always had a really good locker room. We always had a really good dugout. The vibes were always really good, and we would steamroll teams that we shouldn't just because we had this like weird vibe with each other. And that was that I th- feel like the team mentality that we've kind of been missing that little that little piece. And it feels weird to strip a guy like Reeves out of the locker room where it seems like there has been a disconnect in the room specifically. And maybe that stems from Gerard Gallant, you know? Yeah. I, I got to think Gallant like p- had to play a big role and like, you know, not giving any faith in the kids and like, you know, only playing the big guns in the same spots over and yeah. over same power play. Yeah. It's, it's tough because we're not in that room, you know, and, 
and we can we can comment all we want, but it's hard to it's hard to see the way that some of the guys gel together. You know, the Kreider Mika thing. There's this weird like chemistry with everybody, but it it felt like the glue was missing for sure. And it's hard because you you ideally want that piece to be filled in a way that's not going to create another hole. And with Tony, it's the defense and it's the taking penalties and the off ice shenanigans. And maybe it's not getting along with with teammates because there's always there's always a play that he makes where you're like, man, this guy could if he if he focused and just like got his shit together, you know, Tony's a pleasure to watch play in the offensive zone. But it's a disaster to watch the way that he handles. Well, look at look at the Panthers last year, willing themselves like there. And everybody before the Stanley Cup was like, who are you going to give the cup to first? And they're like Mark Stahl, because they know like, you know, what he's had to endure and be in the league for. Like, that's a team committed to the team, you know, like yeah. we're going to give it to the oldest guy out there who hasn't won and, you know, has been around the league. Guys like that, like Stahl and Girardi, you know, and what they've contributed to the team. We kind of have that in a guy like Lindgren, you know, like we have those we have those guys that play all out, you know, lay it all out in the field and play with their heart. And I feel like there's a way that Lindgren embodies that and he can play a very spirited game without that ever. You like you never hear of like Ryan Lindgren, like getting into it with like a taxi cab driver or like, you know, some <laughs> some random on the street. Like he's That's like a Derek Jeter type. Like he's, just, exactly. He's just the, the sweetest the sweetest dude and is like earned seems like Chris Kreider is that type of guy like you know helping kids always at those Rangers ice things and stuff like that Kreider Kreider definitely has that that same kind of it's funny though because Kreider for being the longest standing Ranger it feels like people are are still kind of timid about calling him their favorite Ranger like it's I mean like it's okay you can have Kreider can be your favorite guy like I feel like everyone's got to be like I like Adam Fox. I like Shesterkin. Like, well, yeah, those guys are all-stars. But, I mean, Kreider to me is like, he's an embodiment of everything we just said. He's skilled. He's a pest. He's difficult to play against. He's a role model. He's... All, all his Rangers storylines, like when he came up and it was just oh, yeah. came into the playoffs, like right off the bat like that, yeah. making yeah. a direct impact. Yeah, and you look at the way that he has chemistry with not just Mika, but like the whole everything like the way the way he interacts with Shesty, you know just the the way he interacts with guys like Panarin and I think that that could have really created some weirdness in other guys where we sign the biggest fish free agent that's plays your position and Kreider could have like really taken that the wrong way and he took it in stride and had his best season ever alongside of Panarin playing on a, on a different. Yeah. He line. definitely quieted a lot of haters up with that for that big contract that he got then. Yeah. But segueing back to contracts, I said it last week when we were talking about it, like how much money does laugh deserve? Like, you know, 2020, 21 season coming in the league, 12 goals, nine assists and 56 games. Okay. Looked pretty promising next year. 19 goals. 12 assists in 79 games. So you're like, wow, like, you know, almost hit 20, like thinking that, you know, pretty good. Then last year, 82 games, 16 goals, 23 assists, 39 points total. Like for me, that looks like almost a man on a decline, like right a little bit. Yeah. Well, so he has been really healthy. There has been a lot of promise in last game, but there's been sustained periods of time where you don't see that 
consistency and i don't i don't think it's a a work ethic thing like i've i've seen i've seen everyone try to justify it in their own way but i don't think he's a lazy guy i think he shows up or i mean he shows up pretty much first to the rink every day you always see that that photo of him just like on the bench just like taking it all in like he wants to contribute just as much as as a guy like Heedle, for example, we've seen Heedle go through the exact same thing where we don't really know what we have in this guy. He kind of has like some streakiness to him, but you know, you see the way that fans have kind of clung on to Heedle recently. And I think you just need to get a little bit of that gravity behind you where, you know, you start to feel yourself a little bit. Maybe you start to let him rip and you're not gripping your stick as hard. And it's crazy too, because I, I, I compare it always to like us. Cause I don't expect your average listener to be, a professional sports player so i mean it's best that we kind of compare it to ourselves but i'll be skating at the rink at my house or near my house and i'll i'll score one like bar down you just like approach the line the next shot with like this weird swagger like you like you kind of let it dangle a little bit again and then you hit the bar again like there's this weird it gets the vibe going there's yeah there's a weird momentum to be had having found success and we've seen him have huge success but we haven't seen it translate to that Momentum. But we've I also think... seen, like, even with Mika, you know, the later success, and obviously, like, yeah. you know, look at R- Ryan Nugent Hopkins is obviously another one. I would say out of top five picks that don't get it together within their first few years, for the most part, it's pretty telling the rest of their career trajectory. But then you get a season from Nugent Hopkins, or you know, Mika really only found it after being traded, and I. I always say it. I know. I I hate to, I was just going to say that. Like, I hate to say like a change of scenery, like, you know, a team that's not in the like limelight as such as an original six in New York city. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the limelight for a guy like laugh because he seems, he seems to feed off of the big moments. We've seen him play some of his best hockey in not this previous playoffs, but the year before that. And I feel like, some of the games that we've watched him score in, you know, overtime, a lot of even strength goals where we're down a goal. And, you know, I certainly feel like he embodies that moment. It's hard to talk about last career thus far without mentioning the guys that we've already talked about, like Kreider and Panarin, because, you know, it's really a unique situation that Laugh has found himself in where, you know, Sasha Barkov, for example, had, very similar numbers we talked about on the Heat Daddy episode and very similar to numbers to laugh his first two seasons. They had maybe 10 games apart as far as their total games played. They were a few points off. So nothing too alarming if you're just looking at the next the, the first two seasons. But then the next season, Barkov really put it together and showed that huge spike. I feel like Laugh is is almost in that breath, but but like you said, you would have expected him to rebound off of that with a really good season last year. Well, just let me ask it. you a spicy question. What's more likely to happen? The laugh deal doesn't get done or that laugh overall in his career will be labeled as a bust. I think people are already really quick to throw that, throw that. <laughs> well, you, I was about to say, you got to think of that guy at the playoff game when we were right there, right after that Jack Hughes goal. Oh, and then man. they were back, back on the, like, I think he was on defense, you know, and like, power play d and he was just that guy was just ripping laugh a new one like you're a bust number one pick remember that 
Yeah, and that's and that's a season ticketed Ranger fan for you. You know, that's they'll tell you how it is. And I, I feel like that's the not the problem, but that's the uniqueness to his situation where maybe people aren't as vocal, you know, at in other places. But again, it's, well, it's just because to... it's being a number one pick is just yeah. so it just makes like the expectations so high, because if you look at like I'm going to reference to the Giants they drafted Daniel Jones, like, you know, 15 or 16th overall. So expectations were always low and, you know, they haven't seen too much, but they still gave him a contract, you know, that was pretty sizable for the amount of work that he's only done, you know? So like similar to laugh, but like laugh was the number one pick. Yeah. And I feel like he, he was somebody that going into the season a lot, rode on if he put it together and we had more production out of the kids like we thought we were especially basing that level of expectation from their playoff performances i feel like we all assumed that this year would be monumental for a guy like caco or lafreniere um and i kind of i kind of called it last year about how long before a guy like caco is like get me out of here you know and while i'm on a an affordable contract that people can pay for that, you know, <clears throat> we've seen guys asked to be removed from this team and then it'd be followed up with a quick trade for a good return. And then in the case of Krabby, we've seen it kind of be drawn out and not get the greatest return in the world at all. <clears throat> so it's, it's tough to think. Where, where would we set the Niels Lundqvist trade? I would say that that was pretty good. Pretty, you know? e- well, pretty even on both ends, right? Yeah. I don't think they got who they thought they were getting. I think that the condition behind it was also fair because if you if you look at where he's at, he he's not on target to to reach the point pace that would have triggered the condition. There's also the nice thing about it was that it let us spend more at the deadline for something that we needed. You know. Because yeah, you always take the best guy available, and we were stocked with defense when we took him, and we kind of knew that, but we also knew you take the best guy and maybe you flip him for something that at the deadline works for you. And in this case, we didn't flip him at the deadline; we just cashed in on a pick early in the season. But did you know what it made me feel like extra salty about it a little bit? That like we kind of were always missing that defenseman all year. Like obviously he wasn't the right defenseman, but like we needed a guy. So it was like, yeah, we shipped him off and you know though the problem is that he would have been, he would have gotten time on top well, line. He would have been a yeah. rookie and would have gotten sheltered numbers with you know a guy like Fox probably playing like 29 minutes a game and Lundqvist still playing in like small minutes. And then any mistake he makes is just going to be exacerbated. And then you drive down his value. And I think, I think Drury had to weigh that in the decision-making process is like four years down the road. Is he a good player? Maybe, but I think Drury's more focused and we talked about it last week. Yeah. Established players. It has to be focused on right now and what we have and, coming out of last season you you have to then flip that into like we at least need to make it to round two this year or or each year has significantly gone down and i think that that's the way that the fans are going to look at it. i think that's the way the upper management ownership is going to look at it and it's it's hard not to look at it like that for as an honest fan to honestly like how we you know that 2022 playoff run and then you know even going up to opening night like expectations were just 
so high and then it just was such such like a deflating season all year like but that's where like Niels Lundqvist we had all those injuries to lingering for long periods of time where we like you know we could really use somebody it's true and it's hard because somebody I think it was Dave Shapiro on Rangers Twitter was talking about inadvertently we we somehow land Gabe Perot through all of this, through the trading of our pick during the deadline, through our lackluster playoff performance, through trading it, uh, Niels Lundqvist trading him over to the Stars. Somehow through all of it, we end up with a really good prospect out of the first round. And I think that the year previously, by getting Othman and Sakura to a lesser extent in the second round, makes you realize that we can't afford to just keep trading people every year with our own draft pick and that we need to be constantly wheeling and dealing and getting capital and maybe moving on from guys that are worth moving on from. But we also need to have that next man up. Well, it's, a, it's We're like a banana guy trading bananas to somebody for coconuts. And they're like, dude, I just don't need like bananas. And like, that's really been our problem. Like we just need whatever somebody else has more than what we have to offer them and so yeah, we, we all we have we, is we need the coconuts way more than anybody needs the fucking bananas at this correct, point. exactly we don't have we don't have the the pieces that people are craving and the people everybody knows we need the coconuts and we're stuck with bananas dude and the problem is too is that when you get players that request a trade not only does it drive down the value, I mean, I think we made out pretty well for a guy in Niels Lundqvist that was asking to be traded. But it, it well, comparatively to the Krabby situation, like we were oh, lucky we even got anything for Krabby as it was. Right. And and you think about, again, how just a few short drafts ago, we were stocked up and we had depth there and two picks within the top 10 that were supposed to be like surefire right wings. I think when we drafted Kravy, it was a surprise, but I think after the fact, he put up really good numbers in the KHL and, and people thought like, oh, this guy is legit. And there was some some merit in, to taking him ninth overall. We're in a situation right now where we're bandaging what used to be strengths of ours by mortgaging away these guys that we couldn't afford to keep. or We don't, we don't even have the ice time to give them, like, you know? Because if you think about what we would have owed Cravy and Kako and Laugh had they all kind of put it together, but and we the were key lucky. and Keandre having the like kind of off year he had last year was really like you know, <laughs> yeah. I think Keandre's contract will end up being a good deal for the Rangers. A season removed from it, we'll we'll be able to have the benefit of yeah, that was a good idea because I don't see Miller's career trajectory going down from this point. I think that we've seen kind of like glimpses. And enough consistency where we know that there's a good player there, but I feel like he just gets better um, in this following season for sure. He's got to. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation, man. I think this offseason so far has been nothing short of, you know, like there's been moments where you're like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. There's been a lot of things that I, I would not have seen coming for sure. And I think the coach thing made sense right off the bat. I think you have to move on from Gallant. I think that it was kind of shocking that we picked at, the position that we did and actually made the pick and got a player that people recognize as a player that we should have been looking forward towards. I think that that's 
that's all kind of big win, big win. You know, these are like things that you expect to happen. But at the same time, as a Rangers fan, I know that there's a strong likelihood that it doesn't happen, that we trade the pick or, you know, we do do something weird with it. I did say last year that I I felt like we wouldn't pick both of those picks and that we would just trade one of them at the deadline and and use one of them to kind of keep the prospect pool. So it's nice to see my thoughts align with what's happening on paper. But like Jonathan Quick, dude, like imagine even just last year, if you're like yeah, even Jonathan, two years ago, yeah. like I, I just still couldn't have Alec Martinez yeah. on my team. Like Jonathan Quick killed us. Like it's it it's hard to like gonna be hard to see him in a Rangers uniform. Yeah, but but to give jury credit, I feel like that patched up. Was a, nice a good bargain been by? Yeah. And even Blake Wheeler, you're like, imagine this time last year, like, well, Wheeler will be bought out and Blake Wheeler is going to be a uh, New York Rangers right winger. We're only going to have to pay him 800 K because he's getting money from elsewhere. I just but, don't understand these people, especially being like New Yorkers where like things are just so expensive. Like, you know, like I guess people don't understand living on a budget or stuff because you see Rangers Twitter, like who do they expect us to get? Like how is Tanner Sanko falling into the budget? I just, I don't see it. No. And, and again, we're at the point now where anything that we add will have to come from extracting someone else. And I feel like I don't think it's worth it at this point. I think you got to run it. Like we talked in the, the open of the episode about like chemistry and stuff. And you, you would only be doing a disservice to the team that you already have. Because remember when we did call it a rebuild and like it was kind of palpable, like, oh, this there's some weirdness going on. And everyone was just kind of like, wondering when they're going to get traded and it just it was messy and ugly and i, I don't think you can i feel like that, that kind of blow maybe not on that level blow up will happen if we miss the playoffs but like you know big heads will roll next year besides jury yeah we talked a little last last week about big people that can move in a in a direct swap for someone else but i i feel like there would be a number of guys that could easily be exchanged to another team in like a fresh start situation for both clubs. It's kind of chalking itself up to this is what we got until we have the Laffy contract, but well, Steve, yeah, man, let's go Rangers. All right, brother. Let's go Rangers.